morning church welcome we're going to be in our time of worship together as we do this is our custom uh, encouraging one another from god's word would you stand to your feet we're going to read from ephesians 3 starting in verse 14 we're going to read through verse 21 and we're just going to read it aloud together to encourage one another um, with these words so let's read this together for this reason i kneel before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with the power in your inner being through his Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints 
What is the length and width and height and depth of God's love? And to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's lift high the name of Jesus together. Let's sing this together. Lift high the name of Jesus, of Jesus our King. Make known the power of His grace, the beauty of His peace. Remember how His mercy reached as we cried out to Jesus, our Lord, is found in us, his grace. 
continue to worship together. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper, he amidst the flood of mortal ills
September 11th, 2022, we get to come and worship you. And it's hard to imagine, hard to believe that it's been over 20 years since 2011, 2001. And the events from those days still wreck our hearts. Lord, this morning we lift up to you those who are most affected by September 11th, by the families of those who lost loved ones 21 years ago, soldiers civilians who lost their lives, first responders who gave their lives to save others, and those who are still alive but were impacted. Lord, we pray that you would be so near the families who are affected and are still affected today by September 11th. Lord, we continue to lift up our country to you. We ask that you would give us physical protection, and most of all, we pray that through the events of September 11th, that the world would see you more clearly. Somehow, that you would use these dark events to draw people to see you as a God of restoration, as the only way to life. Lord, we come to you this morning lifting up our core value of urgent evangelism. Thank you, Lord, for your amazing love shown toward us, your passion toward us. We see that reflected in the cross, that you have rescued us. Thank you, Lord. And we ask that you would let our hearts and our passions reflect yours more and more. 
We pray that you would give us a deeper desire in our lives and our hearts to reach the lost souls around us, that many more would come to know your rescue, your grace and healing in their lives. Lord, I pray that you would give us an eternal perspective, that you would protect us from getting caught up and wasting our lives in meaningless things that don't have eternal significance, but that rather we would experience the joy in living intentionally, that those around us would see you and know of your love. And with that in mind, Lord, we lift up to you next Sunday, our Back to Church Sunday. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to invite people to come to church, and we pray that you would bless that, that you would put individuals on our hearts, in our minds, our, our neighbors, our friends, people who we've seen it here at church before, and that you would give us the strength and the courage to reach out and invite them to come to church. And we pray that you would be working in their lives, that their hearts would be receptive, and that you would be glorified, that many would come, and that we would grow closer to you. Lord, we pray this morning also for our partner church, Redeeming Life Church in Utah. We thank you for this awesome church that we get to partner in ministry with, and we ask that you would bless them today. We ask that you would bless their pastors, Brian and Josiah and Robbie, bless their whole congregation. Continue to let them experience your amazing grace. Let them be a bright light in the dark area where they share your love, and we pray that many lives would be restored and blessed through the impact of this church. Finally, Lord, we come to you in a moment of confession. Confession, Lord, that we have all sinned. We've all fallen short of your glory this past week, and we just come to you with the burdens on our hearts, and we give them to you. We ask that you would take these away from us as far as the east is from the west. Thank you, Lord, that you are a God who forgives. So we just take a moment now, and we confess, Lord. We confess that we have not spoken to others in a loving way as, as you do. We have not uh, perhaps eaten a healthy diet this past week. We've not honored the sanctuary of our body that you've given to us. We've been selfish or self-centered, and on and on and on, Lord. Each of us, we lift up to you our sins and ask that you would wash us clean. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of Jesus, who did not sin, who died in our place so that we could be forgiven and made new. We come to you, Lord, as your bride, washed clean by your blood, and we thank you for the life and the hope that you give us in Jesus' name. We worship you in Jesus' name today. Amen. And as we respond in faith to the good news of Jesus Christ, that we've confessed our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, and that he is the strength to keep us in Christ. Let's sing together about the strength of God.
see you. I'm Pastor Sean, and I'm inviting you to come with us together under God's Word as we stand on His promises. Turn in your copy of God's Word or into your devices to Matthew chapter 8, verses 28, and we'll go to verse 34. If you want to use the Pew Bible in front of you, it's page 862, 862. 
62. People wonder, well, how do we go? Uh, which route? How do you know what you're going to preach through next? Well, we preach through books of the Bible, and we're here 8 through 9, chapter 8 through 9 of the Gospel of Matthew. And uh, we're going to be looking and we, at the miracles of Jesus. So we're, here there's just a reality of, of the Word teaching us who Jesus is. And a reminder that as we've gone through this series is that these miracles are something to be amazed at and to be in wonderment at. But we need to look because it's for a purpose. It's to teach us something about God and about Christ. Now today we're going to look as you see at the, the sermon uh, title was Goodbye Demons. I guess we could have waited for October for this one, but this is what is next in the series. This is what divinely inspired word had next for us to talk about. And today we're going to look at that Jesus had authority over uh, nature, over uh, illness, and over demons. And today we're going to look at that. So look at uh, in your copy of God's Word, and we'll read together uh, verse 28. When he had come to the other side, to the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men met him as they come out of the tombs. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. Suddenly they shouted, What do you have to do with us, Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? A long way off from them, a large herd of pigs were feeding. If you drive us out, the demon begged, send us into the herd of pigs. Go, he told them. So when they had come out, they entered the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and perished in the water. Then the man who tended them fled. They went into the city and reported everything, especially what had happened to those were who were demon-possessed. At that, the whole town went out to meet Jesus. When they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray. God, as we know this word has been given to us, divinely inspired without any mixture of error, and we pray and know that you have given the word for us today just as we maybe have turned on our phones or turned on the TV to see what the news is, this word is as fresh as what we have seen today because in it is the words of life and through the spirit you have gifted us with, you have given it so that we might have truth in our life and that we might be changed forever. So Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, we ask God, that you would speak to us and in us and through your spirit change us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. In C.S. Lewis' classic book, Screwtape Letters, it's a fictional discussion between Screwtape, an older demon, and his, his younger study, Wormwood. And it's fascinating to think, Lewis has this great understanding of how to guard ourselves and to think of the spiritual realm. But it's actually in the preface of that or introduction of that book that I think Lewis gives us an a, ability to, to frame the discussion that we're about to have about demons and spiritual warfare. 
C.S. Lewis wrote, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our rakes can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or magician with the same delight. I think this is good wisdom for us to realize that there is a biblical truth as we take hold of thinking of demons and the spiritual realm. But the reality that the Bible teaches very clearly that demons and evil and spiritual forces are real in our world. And therefore, we are challenged to think through things biblically. So let's think of them, the two categories. First, we need to be reminded that we don't give them too much authority than they deserve. If we understand the Bible, we see that all of the demonic world and even Satan himself cannot work outside the sovereign permission of God. Satan is a lion, but he's a lion on a leash. He is controlled and, and sovereignly cared for by the true king of kings. And so we must understand that there is, yes, a reality to be concerned about, but, but have trust in a sovereign God. The reality for us as we think through this is that we don't go, what's the old saying, the devil made me do it? Well, we are not the puppet of Satan, and we are not someone who is forced by demons to do things. If we are the son of God, the daughters of God, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, we will not be demon-possessed and controlled by them, but we can be influenced when we choose to disobey, when we fall into temptations, choose the flesh of our desires, align ourselves with the spirit of this age, because when we do, in essence, we've chosen to agree or go with the other team. We must be careful because though Satan is real, we trust that God is over all, and we as believers must be sure that we're playing and serving the true God. On the other hand, we cannot minimize demonic influence in the world either. We can't shuffle it away. We can't say that it doesn't exist. We can't act like it's not something to be concerned about. I mean, we can understand this for many different ways. If you say that it doesn't exist, it's just a matter of figment of imagination or happenstance or, or the stuff of myths or it concluded in the biblical times, well, I encourage you, talk to someone who's been a missionary for very long. And they can talk a lot about how they've seen things, especially uh, in Asia and overseas, what, God, what Satan is up to over there. Or uh, maybe you can... Uh, I'll, I'll let you know that every time we begin gospel to every home, there is true and sure spiritual warfare that happens behind the scenes through different things that happen here at our church because Satan wants to discourage us and distract us. And even in the height of COVID, and I'm not going to tell the whole story now, but Pastor Mark and I had an experience where a friend brought someone to the church here that there is no other logical explanation than he was demon-possessed. So 
I want to, us to be real and understand that evil and spiritual forces are out there and we must understand and be on guard with the, the equipped with God's word and be prepared that we are aware that the forces of evil attack we know that the forces of evil attacks individuals and families and churches and structures and cultures and societies if we believe that the, the depravity of sin is real then we know that everything is being distracted and touched in this world by satan and the principalities of this world so what gives us hope that we might stand and resist the influence of evil in our lives and in our world one word friends Jesus that's what gives us hope and this miracle helps us to see that the, the accounts of Jesus casting out demons is we see a savior who has authority even over the spiritual realm he's not an influencer he's not one who who might have a say in the matter he has the final word and this should give us encouragement as we face any evils in our world. As we take a look at our text, we're going to look at three realities of a Savior who has power over demons. Number one, the purpose of Satan and his demons is to destroy. The purpose of Satan and his demons is to destroy. This seems like something elementary that, uh, Pastor, that's a, that makes sense, but... As we gaze into the story, we see a clear vision of the purposes of Satan and demons to ultimately destroy individuals and thwart the purposes of God. Now, as you can tell, this is not an everyday happenstance for all of us, right? When we see what Jesus experienced, he came across the sea, he landed, he's going to do some ministry and garrisons, Gadarenes, whichever way you want to say it, that they are, he is uh, approached by demons. Now, this is not something maybe you've dealt with in your lifetime. I mean, maybe except that some of our childcare workers, when they get in their car at the end, they said, Boy, those demons were awful today in children, children's ministry. And it's usually the preacher's kids. So I know, I know, how, the, I know how that might be. But this reality is that Jesus was approached by those who are possessed by demons and it was destroying these men's lives. Now, this account was recorded both here in the Gospel of Matthew and Mark and Luke. And in all three of them, we get a broader picture of what happened. Now, some of you who might be humanists don't believe the Bible or don't think it's inerrant, in the ancient world, even though the story is told in a different way, doesn't lessen the reality or the verif verification of that story. Each person used a point of view in a story. So like if me and Sarah and uh, Mark uh, Wiegand went and saw uh, something Mark might report it one way, Sarah might report, report it another way. It doesn't take any facts away, but it reminds us there's other things going on. And, so, and the writer wanted us to see specific things that they were trying to spell out in the gospel. Now, so to say that, let's just look 
at what happened. We, last, a couple weeks ago, we talked about the lepers and how they were isolated from, uh, from humanity because of their illness. This isolation that these men suffered being possessed by demons was far worse than what the lepers had to attend to. Where were they at? They were in the graves. We know that obviously here, this was a Gentile area. We know in the Jewish culture and of Jewish uh, purification laws to touch a dead person that you couldn't be around others because you would, you would, uh, you would pass on uh, to others uh, the sin or, or, or you would be unclean, which would pass to others. And, and in this, we see this happening and, and we're surprised, but look at the isolation. I want to read just part of Mark's uh, take on this, the Gospel of Mark. He says, He lived in the tombs, and no one was able to restrain him anymore, not even with a chain, because he often had bound and shackled in chains and had torn the chains apart and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out, and cutting himself with stones. Guys, look at the picture of these two men and what they were experiencing. Howling like wild animals, running here and there, cutting himself on the jagged rocks of the land, running a while naked and unkempt. He was full of body cuts and bruises, lacerations, scabs, infections from them. He was in a constant state of delirium and pain. He tried again and again to end his torment and his unbearable existence in death. Why else would those cuts have been there? In his constant state, he was struggling and thinking that there was no other way to get these, either get these demons out or end my life. Perhaps this is the case that the only thing that prevented him was death was the remains of of the image of God within him. What we see here is the result of evil and knowing that Satan prowls around like a roaring lion. He wants to destroy the image of God in man. That is why he goes after people and humans. And every person is fused with the image of God and therefore subject to demon attacks, demonic attacks. And even more so, we can attest that there's spiritual warfare that happens against Christians. We know that Christians who are trying to, to live faithfully, we know that Christians who are, who are living following the Lord and, and sharing the gospel and, and being faithful to Jesus experience all sorts of, of testing because we know that Satan doesn't want the advancement of God's kingdom and surely wants to destroy God's very own people. And we can see that demonic power is alive and well in our world today. Friends, there is no other clear thing that you can look at the evening news or, or pull up on your, on your tablets and see what is going on at the hands of influence of demonic forces in our world. We can say and we can point to a lot of different reasons and different things, but I think what bothered maybe me more than anything is the impact of demonic influence and, and temptation that has impacted even the church over the last few years. I mean, 
here in the time of COVID and political strife and, and disagreements over all so many different things over the last three years, the world was looking to the church for hope and help and peace and advice and encouragement. And what happened over the last few years? The world looked to the church and saw themselves. Christians who are being discipled more by 24-hour news programming on the right or the left, MSNBC or, or Fox News, all being poured into by the, the, the darkness and influence of worldly ideas that at the end of the day, there are many Christians that didn't know where Fox News or MSNBC ended and where the Bible began. And we look and see this demonic temptation and influence that, that spread, that fed through uh, our own peace and encouragement as Christians. But look to us as individuals. How much more temptation has there been for us to sc scroll our newsfeed rather than to sit at the feet of Jesus? You see, we must be reminded that the spiritual influence and evil of the world is there to tempt us away from the great things of God. And a, something I read this week, a, a political advisor uh, said in his thing, which was very, actually, spot on. He said, the line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties either, but right through every human heart so it's tempting for us to think through this and say well I'm not demon possessed or I don't know anybody demon possessed it's easy for us to read through this and be and lower our shields so to speak or lower our defenses or or make sure that we are not of this ilk but brothers and sisters let us be warned of the impact of sin in our lives it always promises more than it delivers. It always wants us to choose it, but it always leads to destruction, just as it did for these men. Alone, isolated, hurt, destroyed. It's tempting for us to rush through these verses, but we know that we must guard our very own hearts. It's just like, I don't know about you, but when I go through the Bible, maybe Romans or Galatians or other places where there's a list of the flesh, and at the front, there's always these things that I'm like, oh, they're not talking about me. <laughs> you know, they're not talking about me. It's in Galatians, the sorcery and evil and wickedness and, you know, prostitution. Those, oh, I'm better than all this, right? Let me read just the Romans one. Romans chapter 1, verse 29 through 31 they are filled with all unrighteousness, evil greed and wickedness. They are full of envy, murder. Okay, this is what I'm like. That's not me. I've not murdered anybody. I'm good. This is not me. But then I keep reading. Quarrels, huh? deceit, malice, gossips, oops, slanders, God-haters, arrogant, proud, oof. disobedient to parents, <laughs> senseless, untrustworthy, unloving, <sighs> unmerciful. 
I see all these things and I see the spirit of the evil one tempting me to fall away from the good things of God. Brother and sister, we must flee evil. If there's any temptation or failure, we should confess it quickly and come to the one that we sang about that says that as far as the east is from the west, forgiveness and mercy and love are waiting. Don't allow it to, to grow and build and take hold of us, but instead come to the Christ who is ready right now to forgive and love. Don't hide away expecting to be swatted down. Instead, turn to the one who welcomes you with open arms. This is why it's imperative for us to be with other believers to be in life group, to be with D group, even where there's even more accountability that can happen, we must be guarding ourselves because sin and Satan and demons want our ultimate destruction and we need people to encourage us and help us. We must realize the activity of demons. But here's the good news. Number two, the power of the Savior is to deliver. The power of the Savior is to deliver. Well, what do we see in verse 29 through 30? He says, what, uh, they shouted to him, What do you have to do with us, Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? A long way off for them, a, a large herd of pigs was feeding. If you drive us out, the demons begged him, Send us in the herd of pigs. Go, he told them. So when they came out, they entered the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and perished in the water now we can trust jesus christ in our lives to have the ultimate authority over any demonic influence evil temptation or sin we may ever face this moment is never too big for jesus if he has the authority over illness if he has the authority over death if he has the authority uh, over the wind and the waves brothers and sisters he has the authority over evil and sin in your life he has all authority and men cry out this is just he cries out to them they they know that they're in trouble because jesus is on the scene they said hey jesus leave us alone jesus hadn't even said a word his very presence knows that they are already on the losing end they said jesus just what are you going to do with us what have you here don't torment us. Jesus acquiesced to them, their request, to, when he sends them out of these men to go into the herd of pigs, and they, they go. It's quite telling that these demons hate and loathe everything about Jesus, and they are powerless to do anything apart from his permission. So the first exchange, though, we must take note. When they ask Jesus... Why, whether he's come to torment them before the time. What do they mean by that? Well, the demons know that he has come and ultimately their judgment in the future is at the hands of Jesus. That demons know their appointed end date and expiration is coming. They know the clock is ticking. And so when they see Jesus, they said, why have you come? Because we thought we had a whole lot more time. They thought the end date had finally come. 
They knew what we know when we read our Bibles, Revelation 20.10. The devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beasts and the false prophets are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. They knew who was the high man on the totem pole that day. And they knew it was Jesus. And Jesus healing the demonic men, he shows that he has ultimate authority over all evil. The demons prefer the pigs to the abyss, but when the pigs rush into the lake, the lake becomes their abyss. And it's interesting that they knew who Jesus was Yet they remain demons. They know. So for us, we must guard ourselves. For people who say, well, you just need to know who Jesus is. You just need to assent to him. Look, what does the Bible say? Even the demons know him and tremble. But that is not what saves. To know Jesus and to hate him is demonic. What distinguishes saints from demons is loving obedience, not naked knowledge. Therefore, we need to check our hearts and make sure that we are deep in love with the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are faithfully following him. If we've never trusted him as Lord and Savior, today is the day of your salvation. Trust by faith. Turn and agree with God that sin is destruction and that God is real, that Jesus is the Savior Put your hands, put your faith and your love in him. The good news for everyone here today is that in Christ, we have power over temptation, over failure, any distraction in our life. What you must do is to trust in Christ, be born again, repent, and if you believe in God, that you confess to him all that is in you. Romans 6, 6-7 helps us see this promise. For that we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin since a person who has died is free from sin. Praise God that we don't have to face these things by ourselves. That by his mercy, he can empower us to walk out of sin, to encourage us by the Spirit and his word to, to free ourselves from any temptations and strongholds that we might have. Brother and sister, my last church, there was, a, there was a family, and one of the spouses had become addicted to painkillers. And the other one was, was caught up in a whole lot of other things. And I just remember, I went to their house and it started to bleed into all areas of their life and things had happened with their kids at school. And, and, um, and so I, I went to their house and friends, I'm, I am not kidding you. I, I, when I walked in the house, I knew that something was wrong. And I knew that Christ need to come. Christ need to free them. And after time, encouragement, prayer, some biblical counseling. Friends, guess what? They did not stay there. But Christ held their hand and walked them out of all that had bonded, put them in bondage. And friends, I believe that God can do that in your life. 
that you are not helpless. You have the power of Christ in you. You have the power of Christ to help you. Isn't this good news? Whatever you're in, temptation or problem you're dealing with, Jesus has power over it. He can free you through the gospel. In Christ we have power, but we need to learn to use it. We need to confess our sins, spend time in prayer, spend time in his word, be around other believers, checking our attitudes and thoughts. And maybe this might need to be your prayer right now. Lord, there's sin in my life. Sin that will ultimately destroy me if it goes unchecked. I believe that you are the Savior, that you defeated the powers of sin through your death and resurrection, and that grants you power of the powers of sin and brokenness in my life. I trust you and your power to love you today, and I ask that you forgive my sins and deliver me from its power, beginning today. Amen. Jesus has a power and authority to answer those types of prayers. He might answer your prayer today. If you pray that prayer, you're deep in sin, and you can be rejoiced because today you know Jesus has the power for you to get you out of sin, to walk on the paths of righteousness, to be restored and loved fully. Friend, turn to Jesus because he has the power over all sin. So then, number three, let Jesus change you by his grace. Jesus change you by his grace. Now, we see a response, actually two different responses. And our response should be one of loving, faithfulness, obedience, uh, throwing ourselves in the arms of Jesus. But there are two responses, one of the townspeople and one of the healed men. First, we read here in Matthew's account, we see that the townspeople were shocked about this because they knew these guys were out there. We knew, I mean, they probably, teenagers were going by and walking by and seeing, oh, let's go see what those crazy guys are doing. I mean, this, this word had spread. This was not something that was only known by a few people. This was something that happened. So when the person came and said, look, these people who had been demon-possessed have been free. The word, I mean, just spread like wildfire, fire, and everyone came out and was amazed, but what did they do? Jesus, get out of here. You're causing too much trouble. Jesus, get out. Now, what would have brought them to that type of response? Friends, I think that it became an idolatrous Thing for them to see the financial loss of pigs whether the joy of people being changed by Jesus kind of a picture of an older brother response here right that we weren't really excited that life change happened here but instead we're worried that all my pigs jumped in the water and they're gone the release of these men really brought back to the stronghold that these people had, not looking for help in Jesus, 
But instead of receiving Jesus, they looked at things that held their heart. Now, brother, sister, I don't know what holds your heart. I don't know if it's financial gain. I don't know if it's reward. I don't know if it's status. I don't know if it's thinking a lot of yourself. I don't know if it's, I don't know what holds your heart. But I warn you, don't have the response to the town people. That you trust in these idols and strongholds of your life. That you would instead trust it rather than the saving grace of Jesus. And you need to, maybe, you've been darkened by sin in your life, that you need to pray for God and the Spirit to reveal it to you. Ask people close to you. Ask Christians close to you. Be in relationship and say, friends, what is happening in my heart? What, what am I not seeing? What is what my, my own sin and flesh kept me from seeing? Just like these town people. But what's the other response? The men who were healed put their allegiance to Jesus, knowing that he had extended grace to them through the healing. Let's just turn back to Mark and just see the radical transformation that happened. Mark chapter 5, verse 15 says, They came to Jesus, and now the man who had been demon-possessed sitting there, dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs, and they began to beg him to leave the region. And as they were getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged him earnestly that he might remain with him. Jesus did not let him, but told him, Go home to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So he went out and began to proclaim in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And they were all amazed. Friends, here was a man wanting to kill himself in pain. He was in, though, changed by God's grace. And this response of this one man coming to Jesus to receive grace and healing is the only way for us to do that is to come by faith to receive the grace of Jesus Christ and this gives hope for us and for you to allow Jesus to change you to mold you to change you to help you to help you step by step walk out of darkness into light and the good news is that all of us just like this man, just like these men who are overcome by demons, we can be made new. That's the promise of Scripture. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. And Mark and Luke tell us that the demonic asked to go with Jesus to be his disciple, but Jesus instead healed him to go be a missionary. That they would hear more about Jesus when? After his resurrection. He was a pre-missionary about what Jesus was doing. So Jesus had compassion on the man. But Jesus liberated him and made him whole. This is a promise to you. This is a promise to me. This is a promise to all of us. 
that anyone who could be controlled, there was no one controlled by evil more than this man was. But Jesus liberated him and made him whole. And this is a promise to you. Christ has come to heal. Christ has come to set us free from sin. And in the same way, we can go and embolden others that they can turn to Jesus to be liberated too. There are people that you know of right now who are disconnected from God, who are broken, away from Christ, and have been overwhelmed by the spirit of this age. Well, good news. You can go to them with the truth and the promise of Jesus, and they can be set free. Maybe you know some people who have fallen away from church and they wonder why their families are burdened and scrambled. Instead, you can go to them, go to them in their lives and call them back to Christ, call them back to church and say, there is one who can heal you. Invite them next week to, to back to church Sunday and say, look, you can even blame it on me. Say, you know, that pastor of mine, he really wants me to bring somebody and, you know, he's just, oh, man, he's really like a, a slave driver over there and he just I just need to bring hey I would love for you to come to get him off my back would you do that or maybe it's somebody that you know that says look hey I've been praying for you and you need to come to church with me because I know the one who can help you brothers and sisters your influence in bringing them to church and bringing them to Christ gives you encouragement because Jesus is all over this. Friends, let's be reminded, Jesus is Lord. And even as we look at these dark days and going back to what we said, we can look at the world and all the bad things that are going on. But friends, Jesus is Lord. He's still alive. Friends, know this and don't go out of here discouraged. Don't go out of here disappointed. Instead, be remembered, empowered, knowing you know the king that is still alive and that do you know that you are living in the most exciting times in the history of the world? Do you know that? That you are living in the time where there are more Christians coming to Christ than any other time in human history. Oh, hold on. I'll give you another try at that one. Do you know that there are, there, is no, there are more people coming to Christ at this moment than any other time in human history? Okay. <laughs> Friends, I, I hope you cheer louder about that than you do the Bengals later today. Because there are people coming from death to life. And Jesus is king and he's alive. And we should be excited to know that King Jesus didn't leave us over the principalities of this world storming and raging over us, but he's still alive, he's still saving people, and he's still bringing people into the kingdom, amen? amen. We need to understand that we serve a king who is over all things. And let me encourage you, whether you're maybe studying now to become a biblical counselor or maybe you're being trained to be a pastor or some of you are just going to go with a friend that is struggling and you're going to sit down with your bible across a table with a cup of coffee and help them and point them to jesus you go with jesus and you can help them and be encouraged 
because you have a Savior empowering you to help them walk out of sin. Those of you who are in D groups and in life groups, you are there to say an encouraging word into someone else, to bring the breath and life of Jesus to help someone who is struggling. And Christ is over all, and Christ can use you to proclaim his name and bring people out of shackles. So here's the beauty of the Christian faith. 1 John 3, 8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. That's what's happening. That's what happened on the cross. It's the ultimate exorcism. The chaos of creation, the powers of evil, and the sins of you and me have been rebuked and exorcised on the cross. And Christ is victorious over evil, the evil of sickness, sin, death, and hell. So yes, we must take Satan seriously. But we also take Jesus seriously. For what sort of man is this? This is the Son of God who rules creation, judges evil, and saves his people. And thus, the one whom all allegiance is due. So whatever you're facing today, you're not facing it alone. You're with King Jesus. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for these encouraging words to be reminded of all the sin, death, and destruction in the world, to be reminded with a, a, a responsive ear and mind and heart to the dangers of sin in our world, but be reminded of Jesus who is over and in it all. So Lord, right now I pray for anyone here or watching at home who may not know you. God, I pray through your spirit that you would bring them into your forever family, that, Lord, you would convict them of, the, of their sin, that you would pull them in as sons and daughters, and, Lord, today, by faith, they would respond. They would be made new. They would see their sin on the cross of Jesus and see that he died for them. And, God, that they would be forever his. God, I pray for brothers and sisters in the faith who are struggling struggling over temptations and, and sin, I pray, Lord, that they would not be discouraged, but instead be reminded that they serve a Savior who helps them overcome. Help them be, empower them and to take and walk away from strongholds and sin, but also help them us be reminded that we are agents of change that can happen through the name of Jesus. So may we go this today with the wonderful power of Jesus. It's in his precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet and let's remind one another and our own souls that uh, Jesus is on the throne. And let's behold our God forever.
Nothing can compare 
grab a seat and watch this video together. When disasters come and communities lose everything, Kentucky Baptist Disaster Relief is a part of a national effort to provide help, hope, and healing to survivors in their worst moments. In the past, you may have seen relief teams clearing out debris from a flooded home, chainsaw crews cutting apart sections of a fallen tree, and support trailers providing hot meals, laundry, and showers to people in need. Through the Eliza Broadus offering, Kentucky Baptist Disaster Relief is better prepared to make more of these ministries possible. EDO contributions keep disaster relief equipment running and up to date. This money helps make up for the wear and tear that comes from years of service. These funds also help our teams to stay mobile. Last year, our teams responded to 12 disaster events, sent volunteers to assist in four different states, and even sent an assessment team to Mali. Funding kept these ministries active for 1,998 days, enabling them to provide care and connection with the good news of Jesus Christ. EBO also supports our statewide training events that prepare more than 500 volunteers to respond to disaster locally and even outside of the U.S. This training helps our volunteers stay up to date on the best ways they can serve, that they can lead, and live out the love of Jesus where it is desperately needed. God is receiving the glory through the new salvations that we are seeing wherever we go. I encourage you to give to the Liza Broadus offering. Know that this partnership empowers our efforts in Kentucky and around the world to be more like Jesus in what we say and do. This is icing on the cake for me to get to go help people in time of need because I know uh, when, this, when something like this happens to you, there's a lot of questions. It would be to me, in my life, there'd be a lot of questions as to why am I going through this. And uh, sometimes it's good to have somebody come along aside of you and, and say, you know, hey, we're here with you. You know, it's, uh, life's going to be a, a bunch of trials. It's not going to be a cakewalk. And uh, we're all going to experience the same things. But I'm here with you, and I'm going to help you. So uh, that's what I like. That's what I like about it is, is coming alongside people and helping them out when I can. I am obeying Jesus Christ. And I never really understood what obeying Jesus Christ meant until the first time I did this. You go away with this unbelievable feeling in your heart. It's, it's, it's awesome. You can find out more about this offering at kywmu.org. And to learn about how you can become a disaster relief volunteer, visit kybaptist.org slash dr. Well, we encourage you this month to uh, pray and give generously to the Eliza Broadus uh, offering. This is a state fund for missions. And so all of this goes to support missions across the Commonwealth and disaster relief being one of those. I know that they, they filmed that. That was before the floods, and now we know how much they've been active and helping in eastern Kentucky, and so uh, our generosity helps take the gospel in the midst of disaster that we know that Jesus can go there. And so we encourage you to take the prayer guide home and pray uh, this week for all the ministries. You'll see the different ministries and uh, first pray because we know God needs to be active in, uh, in those. 
but also you'll know what this offering is supporting. So when you give, we hope that you would notate that. Uh, you can, there'll be a special drop-down menu online for that. Also, if you need an envelope, there's over there at the Next Steps desk. But we encourage you to be part of helping fund gospel work here in the Commonwealth. And if you look on the prayer guide on day five, you're going to see a celebrity in our midst, Kay Boots. You're going to see her in there. So you'll see her in uh, the work of, uh, of WMU. So you'll see her. And you'll remember, you've got to pray day five now, okay? You need to pray all the times, but you've got to pray on day five uh, for the WMU uh, on that day because we know that, uh, that Kay's on there. So I uh, encourage you to give financially to this as a matter of fact just be prepared we're going to have offering here in just a few minutes i have a couple different announcements and things that we need to do but we'll take an offering here in just a few minutes so if you want to prepare for that you can a couple of things before i get into the nitty-gritty of announcements we're going to have uh chris and rachel y'all come on up so we're going to do a a coming today right now of people who uh Rachel and Chris, uh, they've been through our new members class. Y'all have been coming for about six months, is that about right? Yeah. And uh, so they, uh, they have come to unite with our church. Uh, they grew up with uh, Kyle and Carrie, and they still came to this church. Can you believe that? <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, the Rutherfords have come, and uh, they love the Lord Jesus, and they want to come be part of what God's doing at Hebron Baptist Church. If you're excited as I am, would you say hallelujah? hallelujah. <laughs> welcome. Why don't y'all sit right here? At the end, you come and welcome them and get to know them a little bit. Uh, we're thankful for what uh, God is doing. Now, I'm gonna, we've gone from a coming, I've got to say a going now. Can, so can Brian and Kristen come up here? Some of you know this, maybe not all of you do, but the Earlies are moving to Charlotte. Thank you, thank you. And uh, the church has spoken, guys, so I don't know what happened. <laughs> We're about to vote. That was it. This is Brian's last Sunday with us, and I know Kristen's going to be here for a little bit as transition happens, but we wanted to thank him, uh, Brian and Kristen. Of course, Brian as a deacon, and uh, of course, we had the opportunity to serve them when he was deployed, and so they've been a wonderful blessing to our church. And we are going to miss them greatly. And so if you just want to uh, praise the Lord for them, and we'll be praying for them in the days and weeks ahead. So let's just thank the Lord for them. Appreciate you guys. Praying for you guys. All right, get out of here. Couple of quick announcements. I want to do the announcements after because I knew you'd forget what I just said. So here's a couple of things. Next Sunday is a big Sunday. It is back to church. So we encourage you, as we've said, pray, ask, pray again, ask again, bring someone with you next Sunday. Uh, Alan gave a good suggestion. Maybe to somebody that hasn't been to church in a while, call them up. Say, hey, we'd come back. This is a great Sunday to come back. And so we hope that you will come next Sunday. And then, of course, next Sunday is our church-wide picnic. Now, we're going to provide uh, the hot dogs and buns, 
but we need you to provide the sides and dessert. So on your way out, uh, there's a sign up for that just so we can kind of coordinate all that stuff. So go across the hallway. Heather will be out there. Uh, Heather Haddo, and, and so make sure you're signed up for that. Also, there's a need for eight referees for some of the activities. And you can see Heather, and please volunteer today uh, so that we can do that. It's going to be a fun time from 4 to 7 next Sunday. And then you can invite your friend you brought to church that Sunday to come to picnic. So, uh, so we hope you encourage to come next Sunday, a big day in the life of our church. Uh, also, just a couple quick kind of cleanup things. Uh, Gospel to Every Home today is going to be uh, postponed or to the two Sundays from now because of rain in the forecast this afternoon. We don't need to be sloshing up to somebody's house in, uh, you know, in the rain, and so we'll not do it today. But please make sure in two weeks that you take part as an opportunity to take Jesus to our community. Uh, today at, uh, on, at 3, though, if you want to be a part of WMU, which is for all women, come and see what missions that they're part of here locally in northern Kentucky. Come here today at 3 o'clock. They would love to have you. Today also is Grandparents Day. Can our grandparents stand up real quick? Grandparents? Come on, grandparents. Hey, praise God for you all. Thank you all for loving your kids and your grandkids and uh, pointing them to Jesus. I know you all do that, so we're thankful for you all uh, today. Now, time for our offering, and so let me pray for that as another aspect of our opportunity to worship. Now, let me just remind you, as we give, we give to the Liza Broadus offering especially. 100% will go to missions. But do you know that our cooperative program giving supports all these ministries so your faithful giving every week goes to support this so this is a another wonderful reason that we give faithfully to the lord here at hebron baptist church so let me pray thank uh, heavenly father thank you for all that you give us and lord you do for us and lord we pray as we give as a, a aspect of worship today you would fill our hearts with cheerfulness and joy as we give because we know you have given us much so lord as we give multiply it for your kingdom and for your good in jesus name amen amen as we're gonna sing this song um y'all free to sing along as you're seated while the plates are being passed and then when the plates are done you can stand up and we'll sing together come set your rule and reign in our hearts again in us we pray until why we're made come set our hearts ablaze with hope like wildfire in our very souls holy spirit come and made us
up on your feet, y'all. Let's sing this together. We stand up.